to the Vicor Powering Innovation Podcast, where we discuss world-changing innovations. I'm Steve Germino, and I'm here with my co-host, Joe Ducey. So our guest today is Rens Lehman, CEO of Columbia Power Technologies, or C-Power as they're better known. They are a global leader in wave energy systems based out of Corvallis, Oregon. What they're doing is really cool. They're trying to help expand the marine economy by providing reliable, cost-effective energy generation and storage for offshore applications. Sea Power manufactures autonomous offshore sea power systems, abbreviated AOPS, which float in the ocean, capturing the mechanical wave energy and converting it into usable power for a wide variety of applications. So today's topic, we're really going to be talking about ocean wave power, an incredible untapped renewable energy resource for our world. So while ocean waves may be the most predictable source of renewable energy, the real challenge is harnessing this energy effectively, which is so difficult. So I guess one way of putting it is comparatively, ocean waves are more predictable than wind or solar, yet the disparate size of the waves makes it very challenging to convert it and store it for a usable power. Yeah, that's a great intro, Steve. You know, prior to these AOPS, the only way to get power out at sea was to deploy a ship with power generation equipment, which is, as we all know, is inconvenient, costly, and really not the best thing for the environment. These new power platforms will serve as a catalyst to help jumpstart the new blue economy, which uses resources from the ocean to cultivate a sustainable ecosystem that includes ocean marine life observation, aquaculture, underwater vehicle charging, and data retrieval, and so much more. Yeah, as you can see, this is really a growing area. And it wasn't too long ago, Joe, that you and I met with the folks from Woods Hole Oceanographic Institute, and we learned so much more about what's going on for this underwater research vision. You know, it really revolves around the idea of having remote energy resources under the ocean to conduct ongoing data gathering, transmission, and experimentation. Yeah, I mean, to be honest, I'm surprised it's taken this long to figure it out. The theory is actually pretty simple, but in reality, the engineering behind it is pretty amazing. It takes a variety of engineering disciplines to work together to make this possible, including, you know, marine, electrical, mechanical, structural, environmental engineering. These AOPS are similar in function to wind turbines using natural energy sources, in this case wind, and converting it into usable electricity through mechanical means. Where they differ is in the natural medium they use to derive power. You know, wind is wind. It's pretty simple. There is some variability, but the ocean water is so much more complex to predict and plan for. The other key difference is that the AOPS are portable and can be easily relocated to meet the needs of the operators. You really can't do that with wind turbines. And I feel like Sea Power really has thought through this operation that they have, this whole plan and strategy for building this blue economy. We know that Sea Power has been trialing their new portable AOPS in Hawaii not too long ago. And hopefully we'll learn a little bit more about this next generation power system. So with that said, let's listen to Rents and Robert and hear what they have to say. Hi, this is Robert from Vicor. Today we are joined by Rents Leesman. Rents is the CEO of Sea Power. Rents, how are you? I'm doing well, Robert. Thank you for having me. So Rents, I love your website and what I'm first hit with when you go to your website, as you note that your company, Sea Power, is harnessing the power of the ocean. <laughs> Can you tell us what Sea Power does? Sure. So we are a wave power system technology developer. Basically, our products 
convert the energy in ocean waves and convert it into usable forms of energy. For the most part, that's electricity. That's what the basis of our current two products that we're developing and commercializing. The first of those is the Sea Ray, which is meant for lower power applications, offshore power, where maybe a crude vessel is providing the power today or a subsea power cable. And then for larger terrestrial loads, we have the Stingray, which is a, obviously a much bigger system, but eventually will be deployed in the ocean in arrays, just like you would see an offshore wind farm that would be pushing electricity into a mainland grid. And how much power do these devices harness from the ocean? Are we talking kilowatts of power? Or? It's the full range, really. You know, when, when we started the company, the primary mission was utility scale. So megawatt scale systems, just again, like a wind turbine. But we did a project for DARPA in 2016, which was really the opposite end of the scale. This was a hundred watt system for an application out in the ocean. And it really opened our eyes. I mean, it was this sort of real aha moment that while there's a this intense need to decarbonize our global energy mix, and again, that's at the megawatt, the hundreds of megawatt, gigawatt scale. At the other end of the scale, at watts and, and kilowatts, there was this intense need to, to develop systems that could provide power and could also push data to and from the cloud because, you know, again, today it's, it's crude infrastructure that you have to depend on and that's costly and complex and obviously very carbon intensive. But it was a, it was a big eye opener for us and one that allowed us to head down this pathway on the C-Ray, which is the first of our products to commercialize. Hmm. So again, you can do an electrical grid on the ocean or you could provide remote power for a sea vehicle, either, I guess, surface or underwater? Yeah, that's exactly right. So if you think about some of the applications, or even if we think about some of the macro trends that have dominated the terrestrial economy from an innovation perspective over the last decade or even really two decades, so electrification, it's AI, it's robotics, and you know, all that's easy on land or easier on land because there's always an outlet. There's always something to plug into from a grid perspective. But out in the ocean, the ocean's a power desert, right? There is no ready source of power. And so the deployment of those trends or the implementation of electrification or digitization offshore is severely hampered by this lack of power. And that's really what we are looking to provide a solution for. And when you provide power from a readily available perspective, then you can provide data. Because at the end of the day, getting data to and from the seafloor, from the surface of the ocean to the cloud is really what it's all about. Power in these offshore applications is a means to an end. And so that's what we really enable with the Sea Ray product is, is we bring the cloud to the seafloor, I think is a great way to think about it. What's the challenge in doing this, in actually implementing your sea rays, you mentioned, or the stingray? That's always a hard question. I don't even know where to start because there are so many challenges, right? And it's just like anybody else that's trying to, to do something new. And that's one reason why I joined the company. I mean, how many times in a lifetime do you get a chance to bring a new renewable resource to the world? That's really what we're trying to do. So you think about those challenges, when you put you know, we create what we call mini grids offshore. So this is a self-contained grid. There may be a variety of assets or equipment that we would support in that mini grid. 
And so when you're out there and all those assets care about is having available energy. And it's one of the issues that you have to overcome with a renewable resource is that the supply of energy is never going to meet exactly what the demand is. So we need to produce ample amounts of power while we can means we need to operate in a wide range of sea states. And that wide range of operations presents one of really the, the intense challenges is you're producing varying amounts of power at a wide range of voltages. And so how do you clean that up and convert it so that you can keep whatever the energy storage medium is? You know, maybe we're storing electricity in a battery. Maybe we're electrolyzing hydrogen for charging a fuel cell but we need to clean and condition that power. And it doesn't matter whether the waves are half a meter tall or five meters tall. So I think that's one of the intense challenges and being able to do that on a reliable basis and create a system that can survive. Again, that's a be careful what you wish for sort of a thing as you're sitting on the surface of the ocean for five, 10, 15, 20 years, you're gonna see all, all types and ranges of conditions. So, there's an immense number of challenges that are involved, which I'm proud to say that I really feel like we've we've done a great job in doing or getting our hands around. And that's why we are where we are today with the C-Ray product. Yeah. So, you know, people listening, they really can't see anything as we're talking here, but obviously this is floating on the surface, right? Because you're harvesting the wave and then this is tethered or anchored to the seafloor. It is. One of the unique aspects of our system is that it doesn't have to be. It's a drifting system. In fact, one of the first systems that we produced that Vicor assisted with that system is the Tiger Ray, which is being used by the Navy for research around charging autonomous underwater vehicles. But it's a drifting system. It doesn't have to be moored. That particular unit is doesn't have to be moored to the bottom. But for the most part, yes, they are moored. We have a single line that provides station-keeping, bi-directional power and data transfer from the surface to the seafloor. Now, we don't have to just support things on the seafloor. It could be in the water column. It can be on the surface. It can be in the air, truthfully, or some combination thereof. And I assume this also, you present this capability, it also must open up options that people never thought they could do before, right? As far as, I mean, as you mentioned, this is all about providing information. So I assume people are realizing they can do now different things, having an energy source available to them anywhere, I guess, anywhere in the ocean, right? It's one of the great parts of any discussion with a potential customer or partner. If you think about data gathering systems and other systems in the ocean, because power is so scarce, that that whole world, that whole ecosystem is focused on doing what they need to do with the minimal amount of power. So what that normally means is you don't communicate robust data sets or you don't communicate nearly as often as you would like to. You'd be shocked what a sensor OEM can do with 25 watts in the ocean on a continual basis. I mean, it just always amazes me the scavenging of power that they're able to do. But once you start a discussion with someone and say, okay, just forget about power being scarce, what can happen? And you can just see that their eyes light up. They're like, oh, we could do this and we could do that. And our customers would really want us to do this. So it's a wonderful part of the discussion. We always start at one point and we quickly kind of ramp up the power needs. That's always a fun part of the discussions for sure. And are mostly systems for, like you said, you mentioned information such, so are these typically for government or is also industry taking advantage of this type of energy harvesting? 
from the perspective of the sea ray, so again, power consumed offshore and these mini grids, it's really anyone doing anything in the ocean. So it's defense, it's security, it's offshore energy, it's aquaculture, it's oceanographic research, any activity going on in the ocean that requires power, and obviously they all do. And that is always one of the hard things, right? Anytime you do anything in the ocean, you always have to bring power and people. And that is the equation that we're trying to break, but it's really across the board. Some of the initial uses are for inspection and monitoring and surveillance, med ocean data gathering from a research perspective. That's really kind of the tip of the iceberg as we get started. And Renz, you have some proven heritage with this also, right? I saw somewhere in your website, you talked about how many hours you have of actual usage and such. So this is not new per se, right? It's not. Overall, it's a really hard problem to solve. We call it the trilemma, right? You, you have to create a system that's acceptable to those that use it and that those are around it and it's can always be available and that it's also affordable. And the combination of trying to solve those three things, it takes a little while. So we have, thanks, especially with the support of the U.S. Department of Energy, specifically the Water Power Technologies Office, it's just a wonderful group of people through their support, through the U.S. Navy's support, we have spent, you know, 10 years now from a research and development perspective and are entering that commercialization phase. So we, at the end of the day, we've been in the water for tens of thousands of hours of testing. We've been in the lab and on the bench doing testing. We just got through doing a significant amount of testing an improvement with the National Renewable Energy Lab for the sea ray that's going to Hawaii or has arrived in Hawaii now. We can chat about that if you want to. It's an important part of what we do because when you get in the water, it's never inexpensive to get in the water. It's resource intensive. It's part of the problem that we're trying to solve for people. So we try to make sure that we've got everything lined up and tested and properly commissioned before we do. So yes, we spend a lot of time from a testing scaled models and full-scale systems. What is your greatest accomplishment to date then with Sea Power? I think the greatest accomplishment to date, well, there's a lot, so I probably need to sort through those. But on the Stingray, which at the end of the day is we look to make a very, very significant impact on the carbon intensity of the global energy mix. We've just completed the design of that first large-scale Stingray prototype. That's a huge accomplishment in and of itself. And I celebrate our team, Puka Bloom, who is the leader of that Stingray team, has just done a phenomenal job. Again, DOE has been a huge supporter there for us, and we're very grateful for that. On the lower power side, on the sea ray side, we've got that Tiger Ray system that's been in and out of the water. We've just improved that system actually with Bicor's help. So that's been a huge accomplishment for us. And we have delivered the Sea Ray to Hawaii. It's getting ready to go in the water for a six-month trial. And that preps us for two more next-generation Sea Ray trials, another one to happen in Hawaii, and then another one to happen off the coast of Oregon. So the one of the big accomplishments with that product line is getting to the point where that system is ready to go in the water, specific pilot demonstration and then we move forward from there. So it's a great launching pad. The end of 2022 puts us in a great position to execute on our pilots for 23. Hey, Reds, what's the scale of these things? It's hard to, I think, appreciate it. Like the Stingray, can you talk about just how size this one of these are? 
Yes. And, you know, it's interesting that because the stingray and the sea ray, they have common DNA between them. If sort of damn the non-visual media here, I'd uh, love to be able to show some pictures, but just to paint the middle image, it's effectively a float or two floats that are moving about another cylinder. We call it the nacelle. The nacelle contains the power takeoff and the power electronics and some of the other, the skate and some of the other smart parts. But the Stingray, which again, intended for utility scale, that's a very big piece of equipment. I mean, it is about 25 meters in each direction. You're talking hundreds of tons of equipment, even when it's unballasted. When you put that thing in place, it needs to stay. We want it to stay there for 20 years for the life, for the expected service life of that system. Now, the Seaway, on the other hand, is very different. That system is intentionally designed to be compact, a small form factor, easy to transport, easy to deploy, easy to get back out of the water. Um, and when we were doing the customer discovery process on what we needed to include from a design perspective, with the C-Ray, the thing we heard over and over and over again was if the whole goal here is to create a business case around less expensive power, a less complex operation, lowering the carbon intensity, we don't want to have to send a huge ship out every time that we want to deploy one or pluck it back out of the water. So the Sea-Ray the that went to Hawaii, it fits inside of a 40-foot ocean container. That's a very novel aspect. It adds to the challenges that we were talking about a little bit earlier, where you've got this very small piece of equipment that's subjected to the intense energy that's coming at it in the ocean. And the fact it's got to capture and convert and clean up and condition that power, that's one of those challenges. It's a very compact, small device, and I'm proud of our team for being able to do exactly that. So really, these are both one scales to the other. Is that the best way to say it as far as size? I think that's right. So at a certain point, we have this one, two, three market execution strategy. We start with markets that are insensitive to the cost of energy. That's all about the cost of operation or the cost of ownership of a specific set of assets that we're supporting in the ocean. And then we move towards replacing diesel gen sets and handling larger loads. And then we move on to the terrestrial grid. So we go from single sea rays to a raise of sea rays to a single stingray to a raise of stingrays as we go from market one to two to market three. And Rents, I have to ask, with these deployments out floating in the water, is there any issue with collisions with the ships? It's a great question. And sure, there's always, just with anything at sea, there's always potentially something that can obviously go wrong. But we go to great lengths to minimize any risk. I mean, the system, they have lights, it has radar deflectors, we have AIS transponders. So if we show up, we're on the notice to mariners, we're on the charts. There's a lot of time and effort that goes into ensuring that we've got safe, reliable systems, and we're going to avoid any hazards like those. Okay. Now I understand your website talks about, as we talked about, you can support anything from electrical grid to robotic systems. I mean, you can basically power any sort of need there is that's going on in the ocean. That's the goal. So anytime, anywhere, power for anything. That's kind of the motto of where we're trying to head. We want to be agnostic to where we are. Are we in a temperate zone? Are we in the tropical zone? Are we in deep water? Are we in shallow water? We're really trying to create effectively a Swiss army knife. It's there to provide power and if data is an important part of that, it's a data communications platform too. I mean, we really think of our systems is the combination of a charging station and a data server and a cell tower out in the middle of the ocean. 
I noticed on your website, CI Robotics, I saw it. Can you elaborate on that? Are you working with them? We are. Saab's actually a great example of working to build out an, an ecosystem. So Saab CI, one of the world leaders in subsea robotics systems. And what we're doing with Saab is providing power and data on a resident basis so they can create resident systems. You don't need a vessel babysitting that subsea vehicle. You know, a vessel, uh, an ROV, a remotely operated vehicle support vessel, that could be $100,000 a day. Over a year's time, it could produce 25,000 metric tons of CO2 and just a complex operation. If we can take the infrastructure out of that operation, that's really, I think, what Saab wants to do is to make their system sort of better, stronger, faster, more autonomous, and more hands-off. Obviously, where the world is going, and I think what we can contribute to that for Saab is why they refer to us sort of as the missing piece of the puzzle, that provision of power and data on a reliable, available basis. And Renst, I know we participate in your solution, but can you share with us why Vicor? Yes, we had started our relationship with Vicor, I would say probably two years ago. And part of why we were attracted to working with Vicor was obviously the experience and the expertise. And we have a hard challenge to solve that our systems are exposed to wide operating range and there's very different levels of power and voltages that we have to deal with. And so we were attracted to Vicor because we presented a very, very difficult set of challenges, power challenges to overcome, and that's what's been delivered. So we're appreciative of that. It's been a great relationship and we've got a, a great platform architecture for us to work forward as we commercialize and extend our applications above and beyond where we are today. And Renst, what do you see as next, or what would we expect to see next from Power? Next thing up for us, and we've got a lot going on at the moment, but next thing up for us is commercialization of the C-Ray. We're really intent upon creating an ecosystem of partners and customers. You know, we need to integrate with our partners' hardware, whether it's a data gathering system or subsea robotics, in order to provide hardware and services through our partners to their customers. Where we're heading next is a series of pilot demonstrations where you'll see us power seafloor instrumentation and subsea robotics that can do surveys for offshore wind farms or for bottom change detection from a defense or security perspective. It can do intrusion detection. So we have a whole host of demonstrations coming up between Hawaii and the West Coast of the US, and we have a few sites hopefully coming very soon after that, both in Europe and in Asia Pacific area. But it's all about us demonstrating our capabilities to the world and building that ecosystem that allows us to launch forward as we commercialize. And you mentioned Hawaii. Is there one of these we would see in the Atlantic somewhere or some deployment there? I'd love to do that. We won't be doing that in 2023 quite yet. But, you know, again, we designed that system. We really don't care where the customer wants to put it. And I think a, a great example of what we can do on the East Coast with the smaller system is extend cell phone networks. So extend LTE, 5G networks offshore, and then the Stingray in arrays of systems providing power into the terrestrial grids on the East Coast. It's a wonderful opportunity. So we look forward to being able to do that too. So we'll give you two sets of systems that you'll eventually be able to look out, look for up there in your neck of the woods. 
again, it's very interesting. The fact that you're harvesting from the ocean, I, again, to steal from your site, I like your comment, it's the best battery on earth. It's very impressive. Rents, I want to thank you for your time. Again, we've been talking to Rance Leisman, the CEO of C-Power. I encourage you to please go to their website and look at these amazing devices. I applaud you for what you're doing. This is really something very special. Well, thank you. And I want to also express my thanks to the Vicor team. It's been a critical part of our success to date. We appreciate the support that we get. It's been an incredible part of uh, the accomplishments that we've made over the last year to get to this point. So thank you also. So that was terrific. I learned a lot about these AOPS. You know, they are independent systems that can upload data via satellite to remote research centers for analysis. They're networked and they can send this data for research all over the world. What a great innovative opportunity for marine research. Yeah, I mean, as we all know, you can't do anything without a reliable power source. And, and sea power has really given us the means to do that in these remote marine locations. You know, the great thing about the AOPS is that they can actually provide power to surface and subsurface activities simultaneously. This means that you can be running operations 24-7 without interruption, which we don't currently do. You know, engineers and scientists can get a more accurate and clearer picture of how the ocean ecosystem is being affected by environmental changes and use that data to develop meaningful solutions. Yeah, there is a ton of innovation there, but I'm going to play the role of Doubting Thomas and say... This sounds a little too good to be true. And it appears to be very easy and all, but there must be some catch. What's the catch, Joe? Well, you know, I've been accused of being a skeptic from time to time, but you know, in this case, I think it's the real deal. You know, C-Power has been able to overcome the engineering challenges and have actually demonstrated they can harness enough energy from ocean waves to be a viable and reliable power source. You know, similar to what Vicro has been able to do by delivering compact and robust power modules capable of managing the wide and unpredictable voltage input ranges and converting them to stable output power. So in some ways, we kind of finished this conversation where we started it. Wave energy is a very predictable source of energy, but to effectively harness the power is critically important. You know, fortunately today, C-Power is very pleased with the innovative power delivery network that Vicor has helped them with their latest version. I think this was a really engaging conversation where I learned a lot. Renewable energy is so important for the future, and sea power is really making a difference for the marine economy. That is all we have time for for today, so thanks for listening. So until next time, I'm Steve Germino with my co-host Joe Ducey. Thanks for tuning in to the Vicor Powering Innovation Podcast. Mm-hmm.